0: Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. The FIA World Endurance Championship on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Well, hello everybody. As we are right on the doorstep of the 2024 FIA World Endurance Championship season, thought it'd be a good idea to sit down with someone far more knowledgeable than me and talk about the season to come. He's just pulled a strange face there. It's John De Geese, the man uh, who founded Sports Car 365 and uh, still its editor. Uh, John, first of all, I think what we have to say about season 2024 is that the age of LMH has well and truly arrived.
1: Yeah, absolutely, John. With the hypercar class growing to 19 entries in the top class, it's an unbelievable grid. We have Alpine joining, um, returning to the top class with a brand new LMDH car. We have Lamborghini entering with their SC63, um, BMW with, um, with Team WRT, which we saw that car um, compete in the last year in, in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, plus Asato Fresh GD. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of storylines in, in the top class, let alone LMGT3.
0: Yes, and and let's start there, actually. We should say and make it quite clear that no competitive running has been done as we're talking about this right now. So at the moment, everybody is at literally zero. If this is a snakes and ladders, uh, we're all still on the first square and nobody's moved forwards. No LMP2 this year, or we will see uh, 16 LMP2s at Le Mans, which was certainly one or two more than I anticipated. So effectively, it becomes a two-class solution for the W. We see. LM GT3, uh, differing from what we might call a global GT3 in technical specs, not very much in terms of how the cars look and how they perform. The balance of performance has arrived at slightly differently, and there's a bit more, quite a bit more cost involved for anybody running cars because of that. Things like drive shafts, sort of going to a um, hypercar light kind of situation in terms of the BOP because again it's all been measured the power and the performance has all been measured on the way out exactly with the
1: torque sensors added to the LMGT3 cars that's a been a considerable cost for these teams I actually don't know if it's the manufacturers that are providing the, the torque sensors or the team's responsibility but it's um, significant in, in that regard and obviously um, that's the probably the major difference the other difference is that these are on goodyear tires um, for LMgt3 we don't have any other gt3 championship that I'm, that I'm aware of that's on goodyear's at, at this at this moment so um, certainly um, those are two of the things to be looking forward to also some technical upgrades that Alexis um, are CF GT3 compared to the
0: configuration that car runs in the WeatherTech Championship. And still, however, as it was the last year of GTE, this is a Pro-Am Championship. The ACO and the FIA have put their heads together and said, we don't really want what appears to be works teams. There has to be an element of non-pro driver there. Now, there's a couple of the teams that we'll talk about, I'm sure, that look uh shall we say factory adjacent <laughs> <laughs> they're at the back gates if nothing else yeah. um, but that again i suppose there's a there's there's an historical uh, link to the GT racing in the past but as such you are not going to see the Fords badged as a Ford factory team for example.
1: No exactly Um, factory teams are not allowed in LM gt 3 although you said there is a fine line between a few of them with the likes of AF Corsa, WRT, uh, Iron Lynx, also fielding cars and hypercar for the factories Mm. you know it, it does raise a point over over what where do, you draw, where do you draw the line with that? But I think the big differentiating factor is, like you said, the driver lineups. There's a required bronze, a required silver, and then either a gold or a platinum in each lineup. And um, that keeps the, the, the prestige and, and the, the heritage of what GTE AM was in the mm. previous years with those same categorizations
0: before we talk about who's here we have to address who isn't here because neither AMG, Mercedes or Audi got on the approved lifts to be part of the world championship and therefore not at Le Mans Um, we knew that we couldn't have all of the GT3 manufacturers that are represented globally globally the ACO's Asian Le Mans series, for example, is, is pretty much much dominated by those two uh, manufacturers. We haven't had the situation where one of their teams has won an automatic invitation to Le Mans and then would have to change manufacturers because I think that was a bit of a, a worry for everybody. That wouldn't have been uh, a great optic, uh, I think is the correct PR term yeah. for that. It's a shame, but ultimately this is a numbers game and it goes back to what we were talking about in terms of LMH. The prosperity and the popularity of the top class basically means that at some of the circuits that the WEC go to, there simply would not have been room for another four cars from two more manufacturers?
1: Yeah, this is the exact maximum amount of cars we can have for two of the circuits on the calendar. I believe Imola and Fuji, um, those are the two limiting factors for this year. And um, certainly 37 cars doesn't seem like a lot, maybe to some people, but then also you have to take into account the in- invitations for the 24 hours of Le Mans, that if you had more full-season WEC cars, all of a sudden that li- li- leaves less room for ELMS entries and one-offs um, you know, that are invited by the ACO selection committee
0: As it stands now, I think pure invitations to Le Mans. I think there was only fourteen or fifteen that were added to the sixty to make the sixty odd uh, that will go to Le Mans in June. All right, let's talk about who is here. And in terms of manufacturers, um, it's. other than the two I've mentioned, we've we've got all of the big GT3 manufacturers. Heart of Racing um, have taken up the mantle as they did part of the way through uh, last year and are back, but with GT3s. And GT3s, of course, has been their stock in trade. Uh, they had to learn very quickly about GTEs last year, so they come back uh, this year with the US-based team certainly on more solid ground for that
1: yeah absolutely it's under their own banner now um, they took over paul Dalilana's um, northwest amr entry mid-season so all this is under the u.s flag um, there's still a lot of support from pro drive you can hear you know just walking through the by, down by the paddock you can hear some british voices in in the heart of racing teams. so a very similar crew i think make up of what they had last year but um, certainly the support um, with um the u.s backing with gabe newell and everything that he does to support this program globally and heading into 2025 which will be a crucial year for them with the hypercar program
0: no surprises in the driver lineup ian james is the bronze it's alex riberas who is the gold what do you know about the italian young daniel mancinelli yeah, he, he
1: actually drove for them last year as a silver as well, um, did a very good job, solid driver. He actually came into the my focus when he was in Pirelli World Challenge um, a number of years ago. They classified him as an AM, and he, all of a sudden he went out and got overall pole at St. Petersburg for the opening race of the weekend, and, and the series quickly reclassified him into a, a new category um, considering his pace. So um, he's definitely a, one of the good super silvers, I would have to say, out of that line out of the lineup in LMGT3.
0: The other Aston Martin is run with D-Station, two uh, French drivers, Owen Bastard and Clément Mathieu, along with Marco Sorensen. Now, Marco has been associated with Aston Martin forever and a day. D-Station, we've seen before in the World Endurance Championship. Um, However, they were sort of in Partnership with TF. TF no longer than the Aston Martin uh, team now. So h- who is actually running that D-Station team?
1: It's Prodrive, so it's very similar to the Heart of Racing makeup in terms of the technical support and operational assistance. So um, we do see a, a big lineup change there, um, an entirely new lineup for them. Um, Tomablo Tama- Tama- Fuji, um, the team principal, has taken a step back from driving in the WEC. Um, he's um, focused, I believe, on Super GT and, and maybe is another championship. Asia, so um, we see a, a brand new, fresh lineup for them, and eager to see how they can perform.
0: Um, next up on the list are the two Team WRT BMW M4 GT3s um, Valentino Rossi uh, in the second of the cars with Maxim Martin and uh, Ahmed Al uh Great to see uh, Ahmed back uh, in top line racing again. The other cars, got Darren Long adds. Sean Galeel and Augusto Farfus, the evergreen Augusto Farfus, probably driving as well, if not better now, than at any time in his career. WRT going into their second year now with, with BMW. They obviously learned a lot last year. Uh, we've already seen them running down at, at Bathurst competitively. Um, lost one car early, but the second car... They've found their feet very quickly. I expected nothing else from Von saint team, but having been with Audi for such a long time, last year was a transition year for them, and they were building new relationships. I think they'll come into this year with renewed confidence.
1: Absolutely. I think they have, out of looking at the lineups in LMG T3, I think they probably arguably have the strongest two driver lineups from the the, the the roster there. Just considering Valentino Rossi's a silver-graded driver, he's taking up that spot. Um, he performed incredibly well at Bathurst in his second appearance there and, and sort of taking that momentum. Um, Elmed Hardy, as you mentioned, a very solid bronze driver. Um, I, I think that we're going to expect a lot of great things out
0: of WRT. And the BMW, as we know, is developing into a very, very good GT3 car. The two Ferraris uh, next up for what is called Vista AF course. So you'll remember the, the Vista cars in the, in the past. The um, 54 is, is one of their uh, traditional numbers, generally speaking. And they were a silver Ferrari. Um, Thomas Fleur, Frankie Castellacci and Davide Rigon in the first of the cars and Francois Herreraud. Uh, Simon Mann and Alessio Rivera, here it is, I know it's Amato Ferrari, but Ferrari is no relation, but if Ferrari Corsa had a GT works team, it would have been EF down through the years, they they are so close, they always have been so close, this is a, a very, very serious effort.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and with Thomas Floor's um, company, VistaJet, expanding sponsorship to two two cars this year, um, that shows the, how serious this program is, and continu- retaining that same lineup that he's part of for, for um, t- 2024 is also an important element, considering they had at least one victory last season, I, I, I forget where mm-hmm. exactly, but um, that... that that trio has been extremely strong and um, Simon Mann is also back in the other car Um, he had completed the the season so um, obviously this is the first year in with the 296 um, GT3 GT3 new for everybody in this class but um, out of all the cars I think you know jumping from the 488 to a 296 is quite a a transition so it'll be interesting to see how all six of those drivers get on with that.
0: Uh, next, we see the return of McLaren to the World Championship and thus to Le Mans. It's United Autosport who have been given that honour uh, with two cars. They'll be numbered fifty-nine and ninety-five. You see the uh, similarity there. Josh Cagle, uh, Nico Pino, and Marino Sarto in the ninety-five, and in the fifty-nine, it's James Cottingham, Nico Costa, and uh, Gregoire. Saucy, yes, it is. I'm trying to read across the line, there. Um, Nico Pino, interestingly, not with this team for Le Mans. He's decided to go to um, LMP2 uh, for a one-off at Le Mans, so that will knock his championship hopes. But here's a team that started in GT. They've been in LMP2 very successfully for a long time in, in Richard Dean and. United. There are obvious connections with McLaren. There were other team, McLaren teams who were up for this as well, and Richard tells me that they had to work really hard and put in a good uh, a good uh, pro- proposal to, to get this work. Um, the rough and tumble of the WEC, but they're not there to make up the numbers, John?
1: No, I don't think so, John. Um, obviously, They haven't been in GT racing for quite a while, in GT3 at least. Um, They had a GT4 program a few years ago when they bought out another UK-based team um, in their plan to go to GT3. And then all of a sudden, they sort of decided to stick with prototypes for a few years, trying to go the hypercar route or a LMDH route with the manufacturer. And that obviously hasn't materialized yet. And um, they initially moved their LMP2 operation from the WEC over to IMSA with, with the WeatherTech Championship. But then this opportunity came about with McLaren where um, to, to field these two um, 720S GT3 cars um, made a lot of sense for everybody involved. So um, I'm a little surprised by the driver lineup um, in, in that there's no McLaren factory driver in, in the gold or platinum seats, mm-hmm. but it'll be interesting to see how, how they all get on.
0: Which suggests to me that whilst, again, this is you know a team that has McLaren links through Zach Brown, albeit the other side of the McLaren business, Again, this is not a works effort, and um, McLaren um, supplying the cars, but as far as I'm aware, they were bought. They've got three cars, and I, I don't see that there's any support coming there, and that's interesting you mentioned that there's no factory drivers there. Next manufacturer is Lamborghini. Uh, their Evo 2 version of the uh, Urakan. It still looks fantastic um, the evolution hasn't made it look any less aggressive Iron links and Iron Dames here, um, obviously running under the same banner um, for for the Dames it's Sarah Bovey who's the bronze, Diane Pan the silver she can't stay silver for very much longer I wouldn't have thought, her star is certainly in the ascendancy, uh, Michelle Gattling, uh, newly minted gold um, for this year um, and it's Claudio Ciavoni and Matteo Crozoni and Frank Pereira being slightly less italian than his two teammates. Uh, again, here is a team that knows that car relatively well now. They've had a uh, a season uh, with the car in other championships they've been competitive in the past and certainly the dims have been there or thereabouts but that was in different machinery
1: yeah they won the final race of the year in Bahrain um, but that was with a slightly different lineup now we have um, Dorian Pinn coming in and um, I I think this is going to be a very strong lineup um, looking at just the gradings between the different drivers and all the all in in, throughout the category Um, I would definitely keep my eyes on the Iron Dames program this year
0: they've proved that they can win races they're now after the championship and certainly in qualifying they've got excellent qualifying form
1: absolutely and and you know we don't have Ben Keating returning this year there was yeah. always a big battle yeah. be um be, be you know, between those two cars in, in qualifying throughout the last season, which is a shame that Ben hasn't decided to, to continue in WEC, but we understand his reasons why, and you know the, the, the driver aids and all of the different elements that go into this, he's not the only driver that has decided to give up um, GT racing in the, in the World Championship um, for those reasons, but um, certainly um, going back to the Iron Dames, Iron Lynx program, I think um, both cars will be strong.
0: The next manufacturer is another returnee, and that is Ford, with the new Mustang GT3. Prone on competition taking this on, and this is another change of manufacturer. We could have just put this on a hotkey and played it a number of times. Christian Reid still inextricably linked with Porsche, and indeed we'll talk about the Porsche effort in in prototype later on uh, was, I think, made aware relatively early by Porsche that it wasn't going to be him that was going to get the two cars to run in the World Endurance Championship cast his net about and to be honest, for performance this is a good hire because they know this championship very, very well they're having to learn the car, of course but basically... Ford in handing them this program have basically bought in all that experience in the WEC that this team has,
1: and I firmly believe Ford is only potentially here because of Proton's experience and all of their expertise in the WEC. Because you know you had some other manufacturers like we talked about earlier in the in the the show with Mercedes AMG and Audi, um, those teams that were being bid in in trying to get into those into the field they didn't have any wc experience Mm -hmm. proton's been here since the start um uh, christian reed has been ever present in the series this will be actually his first race he'll be missing as a driver um, having retired from competition Mm -hmm. at the end of the year we we see him on the entry list for the 24 hours of le mans we're not sure maybe he might come out of retirement for for that one race or might just be a placeholder but um nonetheless it'll be um, really intriguing to see
0: how these Ford Mustang GT3s will get on in in the World Championship. An intriguing lineup in the first car that we come to, which is Ben Barker, often seen as a Ford, as a Porsche specialist, started in Porsche Cup, um, was with GR Racing for a very long time in this championship. He's coming back for another year. Is this is ninth or his tenth year in this championship. Zachary Robichon, uh, see above comment, uh, Porsche Cup driver who's broadened his. Broaden his CV, the young Canadian, and Ryan Hardwick, another a man from North America this time from uh, south of the border, from the the USA. That's an interesting trio there, and I'd like I'm I'm interested to see how they will uh, will gel with no platinum driver there, Ben's just a, a gold. But you've got to say that individually. You would say that's a that's a fairly tidy lineup.
1: There has been a lot of chemistry between Zach Robichon and Ryan Hardwick. They won the ELMS title last year. Um, obviously, have a lot of experience working together as as co-drivers. Um, ben Barker now a newly minted Ford Performance factory driver. Um, they put a lot of faith into him now after his um, stint as a, as a privateer in in the in the GTE ranks through the years. So, um, I would say this is probably one of those
0: stronger lineups out of the out of the class um, absolutely and their teammates the Italian Giorgio Roda and the two Scandinavians, Mikkel Pedersen and Dennis Olsen Dennis is the platinum driver again a, a driver who has been around a couple of different manufacturers rocks up with Ford but again that's experience
1: yeah absolutely and I, I think both Fords are going to be uh, very strong over the course of the year
0: Uh, alongside them um, we have the lexus rcf first time we've seen this car we were wondering probably about 18 months ago if we might be seeing the new car but the new car is is yet to officially break cover although there's been a few sneaky little teaser videos that i think have been allowed to to slip through the net but for now it's a lightly modified rcf gt3 that we've seen until this point only in imsa
1: yeah, um, well, in Super GT as well, actually, Group it's it's yes. it's raced there. But there have been some modifications we understand to get the car into um, the WEC's performance window. Um, it's slightly different than what we've seen in the WeatherTech Championship, for instance. Is that
0: giving them more performance or taking performance away? Do we know?
1: Uh, we believe it's more performance right. to the okay. to the car, but uh, still trying to figure out exactly what in what areas um, that has been uh, uh, achieved. But um, certainly, the car is the oldest GT3 car mm. on the grid, mm. and we talk about that a lot in the, in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, although they've had incredible success over the years with Vasser Sullivan. So it'll be interesting to see how a CODIS a ASP gets on with, with this.
0: Yeah, and again, this is a, this is a very uh, this is a very experienced team in European racing. The standout driver is Kelvin von der Linde, He's the Platinum in one of the cars. In the other car, it's Jose Maria Lopez, um, a, a former factory driver of course for Toyota Lexus Toyota there's a partnership there of course it's the same c- company um, the other drivers then um, Takeshi Kimura uh, and Esteban Masson um, some of our listeners will have heard about but uh, what about in the other car On a robot ban, um, solid bronze and tigo and i'm going to struggle with this name all through uh, the bugus thank you very much commentary trying to get that out quickly if he's making an overtake it's going to be very very difficult no disrespect to you timor um how do you see these these lineups stacking up
1: um definitely timor is a, a standout driver um he's not one of those sneaky silvers i would have to say mm. um he does bring budget obviously but uh, he's won the endurance um the the GT World Challenge Endurance Cup um, alongside Mercedes-AMG factory drivers. He's certainly um, one to keep an eye on. It was interesting because he actually tested um, with Corvette Racing in the Bahrain Rookie Test um, mm. following the, the, the season last year, looking to maybe to go to TF Sport, um, but he's decided to stay with the Jerome Polycan-led team um, that he's known for a number of years in SRO um, European competitions. So, um, so he's sort of back at home, um, different car obviously with the Lexus, but Um, I I think he'll
0: be definitely one to watch. Um, Welcome back to Corvette. That's our next and penultimate manufacturer, the two Z06 LMGT3.Rs. This is TF Sport, moving across from Aston Martin, another front-engine car with which they had uh, plenty of success. Uh, Tom van Rompuy, Rui Andrade and Charlie Eastwood, the Irishman in that car, and then uh, Hiroshi Kozumi with uh, Sebastian Budd and uh, Daniel Hunkadea in the second car. Now, obviously, Daniel's name added to anything means you've got to start taking that one very seriously. A new manufacturer for Tom Ferrier's TF Sport, they've proved in the the past that it takes them no time at all to get up into speed. Look what happened when they took on the Aston Martins and and went to Le Mans with them, for example.
1: Yeah, I think we can expect great things from the TF partnership. Um, Certainly, customer Corvettes for the first time overseas. Um, that's going to be interesting to note as well after we saw the car's debut with AWA in, at Daytona um, alongside the Pratt Miller factory-supported program. Um, certainly, um, the lineup is is interesting to see. Rui Andrada, having won the LMP2 um, championship with WRT last year, moves over to GT Racing. And then we have the two factory drivers with, uh, with um, Charlie Eastwood and, and Danny Yonkadea. So, um, We'll, we'll see how they, they get on. I, I, I think um, certainly from a preparation standpoint, um, they're, they're certainly ready to go. They've done some testing in the Middle East already. They were coming off of a, an outing in, at the Dubai Autodrome a few weeks ago, and um, their equipments here and, and ready to go. It
0: seems amazing that we've talked about all these cars in a GT3 category for the World Endurance Championship, and we've yet to talk about Porsche. They are the uh, final manufacturer, um, and uh, this is a uh, manti Effectively, is the overreaching banner with EMA, who've just along with Manti won Bathurst, of course, and Pure uh, RXing, Pure Racing. Um, they've had success, both of those teams have had success. In fact, uh, Pure have declined two of their potential. entries for Le Mans um, because they did so well last year. In terms of the drivers, um, you'll recognise some of these names. Yasha Shaheen from Australia, part of the uh, winning Pro-Am car at Bathurst at the 12 Hours. Uh, Richard Leitz, yeah, he's been around a bit (laughs) for Porsche. Uh, Maurice Schurig from uh, the Netherlands and in the car, uh, Alexander Malekin, Joel Sturm and Klaus Bachler. So two full Platinum works drivers in these cars, and if Manti's involved, I mean, they're owned by Porsche now. This is probably as close to a works team as we've got in a known works team category. Probably,
1: you're probably right on that, although we do see a diverse lineup of, of drivers, at least. You know, um, Richie Leitz has been in. GT, in the GTE ranks for a number of years in the WVC. He's a great grab um, to sort of help lead that, um, the first uh, Monthai EMA program. The the pure racing team um, obviously um, have had success in a lot of different formulas, including the Creventech and the 24-hour series and um, teaming up with Monthai is the next step in their progression, so it'll be um, interesting to see how they get on as well, but um, all in all, I, I think another a strong lineups of drivers and I keep on saying that but um, it, it
0: really does show within the, the gt 3 class this year. And the ACO taking the balance of performance very seriously as we said with the slight changes there's no reason John why any of those manufacturers and indeed any of those cars can't be right at the sharp end throughout the season and I'll, I'll be interested to see how the competition. Um, plays out because you quite easily it could be winning one week and, and potentially 10th the next.
1: I think the real key is going to be the success ballast because we've had that before in gte and I believe that's transferred over into this this new formula with LMGT3 and um, it'll be interesting to see how all that sort of shakes out and, and develops as the season goes on. Um, BOP is is more tightly controlled now with the, with the torque sensors so um, I don't think we're going to be seeing as much controversial moves as maybe some other championships have made in the past with with BOP. Um, So those are the two key points I think I'll I'll be looking forward to in in this new category.
0: FIA World Endurance Championship for 2024 kicks off at Qatar for the 1812 kilometres. 1812 uh, 18th of December is Qatar National Day uh, for the Qatar Airways uh, Opener to the new season and a sparkling uh, array of talent in the top category, which are all hybrids for the first time. John De Geese from Sportscar365 alongside me. I mean, first of all, we've just got to say, wow, haven't we? When we, when we look at the manufacturers the teams and indeed the drivers here in this top category
1: yeah where do you start that's that's really the that's really where it comes down to um obviously we have newcomers into the class we have returning entries we have expanded teams um yeah it's it's probably the best grid for top level prototype racing that i've seen i've witnessed in in my lifetime and um certainly looking forward to uh seeing what this will produce on track
0: we've been talking about a coming golden age it has undoubtedly arrived now with the bringing together of the two different philosophies of top category prototypes between imsa and the fiaco sides of things and i've you know, if this is what was thought about when that was being discussed all those years ago, it's delivered now. Uh, we'll start for another no reason that they are uh, the first number with Cadillac, also one of just two manufacturers with a singleton entry Earl Bamber, Alex Lynn, and Sebastian Bourdais. I have a feeling you are going to say um, the words that you're going to say next. Quite a few times through when we're talking that's a strong lineup john isn't it
1: yeah at least for the season opener obviously with with seb only confirmed for the qatar 1812 due to his uh, imso weather tech sports car championship commitments we're probably going to be seeing a rotating list of drivers in the number two car for the third driver alongside earl and alex um, we know that alex pullo for instance we will be making his uh, 24 hours of le mans debut in june in that entry um, we'll probably get some other drivers for maybe some of the longer races in Bahrain for the season finale they might actually try a two driver lineup yeah, for some I'm of the sure races that was, mm-hmm. so I think that'll be really
0: interesting to watch to see how that can play out. Um, Cadillac um, with the as I say with the singleton car for the series are there of the established manufacturers does that put them at a slight disadvantage that there is only the one car there they can't split strategy they can't uh, gather additional data in the, in the testing leading up to each race?
1: Absolutely. I think that is, a, a, unfortunately, a disadvantage for them. Um, Chip Ganassi Racing, which operates this car in the WEC, um, they have been pushing for two cars. Ultimately, um, Cadillac decided not to, to, to go that route for this year for budget reasons. Um, we'll have to see what happens in the future. Maybe there could be a more budget, given the situation with the Formula One program with Andretti not getting the green light. You, know, you don't know. Yep. It, it, it could it could have a, an effect, a positive effect in, in this program in the future. But um, for
0: now, it's just one car for the full season. Fan favorite car, and how it looks, and certainly how it sounds. I, we wish them look as with all of the manufacturers here. They are up against. The absolute cream of the crop in the other manufacturers, of which six on this list are Porsche 963s. We'll start with the two factory cars, Porsche, Penske, Motorsport in their sparkling new Mannheim uh, former Porsche centre. It was a car dealership uh, that was owned by Penske, turned into their European centre of operations. Matt Campbell, Michael Christensen and Fred McAvecki in the uh, five car, in the six had to get me numbers right there. Kevin Estra and uh, Andre Lotterer and Lawrence Van Tour. Uh, two of those drivers, one in each of the cars, fresh from their victory at Bathurst. Although Lawrence Van Tour wasn't very well and didn't do all of his stints there, but returned to health now, ready to go for the season. It was a tough season for Porsche and for Porsche Penske Motorsport in WEC last year. They began, I think, to see a turning point after what for me was the Nadia for them was Le Mans and that whatever was said after that seemed to have borne some fruit um, they'll be hoping presumably to carry that improvement in performance on into the new season.
1: And I think there's a lot of momentum building from this program just from their big win in Daytona. Obviously that was the WeatherTech Championship program but there's a lot of crossover between the two Penske, Porsche Penske Motorsport teams. Um, the 6th lineup in particular has been extremely strong in, in the WEC. I just Flashback to the the Fuji round where um, um, Fanthor and, and Estra led for almost half the race and, and came away with the podium finish. I, I think the number six is going to be strong, and the five car is going to be interesting to see how Matt Campbell gets on in, in the WEC. He has history in the championship with Proton in the GTE-AM ranks, but um, this will be his first time in the top class and visiting some new tracks as well.
0: Um, we'll stay with Porsche, and we'll run through um, the... Uh, the private air cars. Uh, I was going to say Porsche, the only manufacturer. Um, Ferrari have, have got a uh, quote unquote private entry. We'll deal deal with that and, and how that's categorised in a moment. Uh, Hertz Jota Racing with uh, two cars this season, so a step up for the Tunbridge Wells based team. Uh, Will Stevens um, in. In terms of drivers, I think is the only constant, isn't he? With Callum Eilert uh, joining uh, the IndyCar refugee Norman Nato in that car, and in the second car, uh, Phil Hansen, Oliver Rasmussen, and Jensen Button um, in that car as well. And Jensen uh, has driven a, a couple of different. Uh, of the, the hyper cars but uh, certainly drove the 963 at petite, wasn't it um, very excited when I spoke to, to Jensen about this full season a, a potential no, another world championship that he could be shooting for and do you know what you, you wouldn't bet against that it would be in the cup because they're not a, a works car but there's no reason why that car shouldn't be running with the works cars at the front of the same either if the Hertz team Jordan cars
1: no I think both of them are going to be extremely strong this year and it's great to see Jensen actually be back in the WEC after his stint with SMP a couple of years ago mm. with the BR1. Um, that wasn't a full-season effort, and this is arguably a much better, more competitive program that can fight for the the, the title. And um, kind of like his, his F1 champ, World Championship with Braun, um, maybe there's some kind of glimmer of hope that there could see a private team um, fight for for the world championship from the driver's side at least um, the, the team cannot be a, the team's world champion because of the being a privateer entry but um, certainly the experience that Joda has had from the past season with one car um, now doubled um, with, with two Porsche 963s in the top class I, I think they're going to be definitely um, fighting for some podiums um, at a, at a bare minimum
0: yeah uh, and that's not the extent of the uh, Porsches there, because we have uh, Harry Tinknell, Neil Janney and Julian Andlauer uh, in... The, this is the Proton uh, run car, Christian Reed's keeping faith with, with Porsche for the top class, uh, and this is a car now with a, a new livery, and a very an historic livery, uh, actually this is the FAT turbo libra- livery that I remember from the mid-1990s 94 wasn't it, mm-hmm. when Dower exploited the loophole with what was I was gonna say what was effectively um an out of out of date 960 it wasn't effectively it just was they turned one into a road car to satisfy the ACO it's brilliant that this livery's come back it looks really good on the 963 but once again you you would never count out Proton not with that lineup a, a solid lineup of drivers
1: yeah, and I think we're going to be seeing strong things from this team as well. They had a podium finish at Petit Lama last year. Obviously, a slightly different lineup now for, for this season with Harry um, Tinknell joined by Neil Johnny and Julian Andlauer. We know that Harry's going to miss at least, I think, two races because mm-hmm. of his WeatherTech Championship commitments with Ford. So it'll be interesting to see who they slot in for those races or maybe they go do a two-driver approach as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but with um, Julian um, stepping up to the top class, it's uh, he's been with the team basically since his Le Mans win in gte I think, with Dempsey with Proton a number of years ago. Um, and he's sort of grown with, with that organization, so I'm,
0: I'm expecting some really good things from him as well. I said six, actually. There's only five cars in the World Championship. The six at Le Mans because there's a, a second entry there. I, I mean, fair play to Porsche. They've, they've Them, along with Multimatic, they've, they've made these cars. They've supplied them. Um, we know how tough that was last year, particularly with the global issues that were going on. It would seem that whilst all of those supply issues haven't gone away completely, they're certainly a lot better, and the the non-factory teams are feeling a little more supported than they were let's say this time last year
1: yeah i think the cars are in much better shape these teams have all the experience from last year to build on mm. there's no new team with the 963 this year it's just expanded efforts with hertz team joda um and and proton um retaining the two cars that they have now but i know they're trying to get some more maybe for later in the year um we'll have to see if, yeah. if we'll have to wait and see if maybe they can be on the grid maybe in a race by race entry post Lama. we have um one of the protons on the reserve list for Le Mans um, mm. as the first reserve. So um, there very well could be seven Porsche 963s at Le Mans if we get that uh, that um, reserve car in.
0: Yeah, and, and her team, Jota, of course they joined the championship just before Le Mans last year, so they've almost got a full year, and they're the only one of the two private A-teams who've actually got Le Mans experience with this car. I think that will stand them in good stead. Uh, however, the £900 Gorilla in the room, and I say that with much love, is Toyota Gazoo Racing. They have all of the experience in this championship. The GRO10 has been tweaked a little bit, we'll talk about that. There have been some personnel changes at the top, we'll talk about that. But... Mike Conway, Kami Kobayashi, and Nick DeVries, uh, along with Sebastian Buemi, uh, Brendan Hartley, and Rio Hirakawa, has a pretty solid uh, and uh, consistent look to it.
1: Yeah, um, Nick obviously coming back to Toyota after being a test driver before his F1 stint. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he performs. I, I, don't think, I don't think it'll be... I think it'll be certainly a plug-and-play situation for him, mm-hmm. considering he knows the team, um, he's... The car is still somewhat new to him, but um, obviously um, being one of the youngest, I think the youngest driver in Toyota's lineup now by a fair margin um, could definitely help bring some youthful enthusiasm into the into the team. Not saying that everybody's old-timers there, but um, certainly uh, the Toyota's retained a lot of their drivers through the years. and, and um that's one of the reasons we saw a change for this year with with Jose Maria Lopez going to the Lexus LM GT3 effort and, and bringing in some new blood. So um, certainly, I, th- I think Toyota Gazoo is going to be the benchmark, like they have been. They have the most experience in this category. They've had an ver- extremely well oiled machine, but they mm. do have some personnel changes, like you mentioned, that that could bring in a little bit of some unknowns.
0: Well, let's let, let's bring that up. The, the the person who you and I has. has Probably spoken to him most about this has, has moved on and, and, and gone to a, a different role. Pascal Vassalon, um, huge amount of experience in endurance racing. He's been replaced from within. I mean, w- what difference, if any, is that going to make to the team? It
1: was a logical progression that was originally sort of determined internally for, for quite some time that David Flory, the the former Orica technical director who joined Toyota Gazoo Racing a couple of years ago in a full time position um, he would take over from Pascal at some point once there's a, a, a succession period for this program and I think it sort of came as a surprise that it was for this year, um, it was communicated fairly late into the off season and now Pascal's sort of heading up a global um, program and and looking more globally with what's next in toyota gazo europe Toyota Gazoo Racing europe's program um, with hydrogen on the horizon and some other projects that are working um, I, I think David joining as a technical director um, is certainly a, a great um, hire and, and he's going to bring a lot of experience and, and knowledge to this program, but it's going to be a new face a new
0: a new position and, and, a, and a new role for him to sort of get on interestingly actually a similar career path as Pascal had because of course he came through uh, Orica as well and worked with Yudish Yarnak for a, for a long a long time um, he knows his business there's no doubt about it we've seen one or two uh, David I'm talking about it. He, we've seen one or two different people being put up for interviews for example um, In already how might it change the the character or the personality of the team or do you feel that, that the team is well established enough to, to continue um, in the vein that it has done in the past,
1: it'll be interesting to see because it is a well-oiled team. They know what they're doing. They're they're the benchmark, but um, at the same time, having some personnel changes can change things around. You know, we have a, a, a definitely. Um, there's been some engineering changes within t- within the team as well. So um, it's not just David Florey stepping into this technical director role. There's been some other um, uh, adjustments over the
0: off season as well. We'll have to keep an eye on. Uh, The car will look a little different. Uh, They've changed their livery, in common with all the uh, Toyota GR uh, Gazoo Racing machines around the world. The rally cars have gone to a a darker colour, darker base colour black, base colour as as well. But what about under the skin? How much has changed, if anything, with the GR010 Hybrid?
1: As far as we know, nothing significant. Um, Not as much of an evolution from the previous year, where Mm. they made some significant changes to the car. uh, still trying to figure out if there's been anything, any kind of jokers taken up for this this mm. evolution. But I, I don't foresee. I don't. I, right as we stand here right now, I don't think there's been any significant changes.
0: We move on next to another brand new manufacturer, a manufacturer that we haven't seen in any meaningful way either producing road cars or certainly race cars since the early 1930s. Isotta Fraschini, with their Tipo Six C. This is. Uh, uh, Antonio Saravale Carl watana Bennett uh, and jean Jean Carl Vernier, kv um, who again by far the best known of those drivers it 's been a difficult berth for this team because uh, we were expecting vector to be running the, the these cars and and they did you know they were involved right from the start, and that sort of disintegrated um, just before we we got to the start of this season, really.
1: yeah, it was a late change per, per se because Vector had been involved in at least some of the testing, we believe. Although IF was sort of in spearheading it themselves, and and we didn't really understand what was going on behind the scenes. Um, the 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 fact of the matter is that Duquesne team has taken over the operation of this program. Um, there's already been a, a driver lineup change um, within the originally announced. Um, trio of drivers and um a lot of inexperience with in in top level prototype racing for two of the three um jean-carl Vernet obviously Mm -hmm. is no stranger to to sports car racing but he 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 hasn't been in the top class for quite a while i think maybe with peugeot Peugeot, yeah. yeah yeah back in the day so um We'll see how this entry gets on. I would have to say it's it's probably going to be an uphill battle for them, just given the lack of experience, a brand new car, a hybrid system that they've developed themselves and in association with some partners. But um, still,
0: there, there's a lot of unknowns. Yeah, this is a, a true hypercar as well. That's a good point that John makes there. Uh, that It's not as if they have taken um, the LMDH option. This is a true hypercar. So it's a it's an in-house... It can't, it, it can't have made it any easier, the upheaval. They already were, were up against it, being a new manufacturer into, into this. Um, and I, I feel this, certainly the first half of this season, we, we might be using... The, the Fraser's learning phase uh, a lot for for these guys can't say that now about the next entrance, uh, although it's a new entrant new team in the top class uh, which is WRT the Belgian squad under Vincent Vos uh, with the BMW M Hybrid V eight making uh, its debut in World Championship com- competition but listen to this driver lineup Dries Van Tour uh, inextricably linked with WRT Raffaele Marchiello, Marco Wittmann and then you've got Sheldon von der Linde Robin Freint again uh, uh, with uh, Rennie Rast those three of those six have got big history with Son uh, Vos and WRT the testing programme from what we know and we saw some of it at Spa at the back end of 2023 um, has been going well the US some of the US drivers have been pitching in to help and add their Uh, their experience yes this is a new team and a new car to the championship at this level but what you've got to say is that they surely will have benefited from uh, the knowledge and IMSA and Much like we've been talking about in some of the GT entries, they're not here to make up the numbers. They are expected by BMW to perform and perform at the front of the foot.
1: Yeah, out of all the newcomers to the hypercar class, I think this is the strongest package in terms of team, driver lineup, and car. Um, We've seen. The, the the car do extremely well in in the latter stages of the WeatherTech Championship last year. Um, it's turned into be a pretty reliable and 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 strong contender. Um, WRT is arguably one of the best teams in in the world to, to take on a project like this. Even though um, they don't have experience in the top class of the WEC, but considering their LMP two success, all of the GT success around the world in various championships, um, it, it makes a lot of sense for them to be hit the ground running. And and like and like you said with the driver lineup, I. I cannot find a weak link in any of these six drivers um, obviously there's a lot of firsts for some of them um, Marciello making his his hypercar debut um, a couple other drivers as well in that same position but um, certainly they're, they're going to be extremely tough and um, I, I think that if we don't see a win from WRT this year I think that might actually come as a disappointment to this program
0: really you think they will be shooting that high. That's very interesting. Uh, Another newcomer, or at least a returnee in terms of the name, the Alpine uh, name is back. The A424, for those of us who live in the centre of England, is a very nice driving road that goes out the back of Stone the Walled and actually not too far away from Enstone, which is where they uh, coincidentally launched this car alongside the F1 programme. That, to me, tells you... Should tell you how seriously they are taking this. That it shared the stage with their F1 challenger for this year. the uh, The driving lineups are very interesting. Paul Lubchansky now has gone right through the ladder system of of this particular type of racing from starting off in what was um, Le Mans Cup, wasn't it, back in in the day. Uh, Ferdinand Habsburg has made it to be a factory driver. Charles Melezi actually well thought of a WRT and, and a championship uh, winner with WRT in one car. And then we've got Nico Lapierre who I have spoken at length with Nico at the launch. He's smiling a lot. A happy Nico is a fast Nico. Back in the top class with Mathieu Vaxvier the Frenchman and In some ways, the biggest name, and certainly the one that everybody wanted to talk to, is Mick Schumacher, former Formula One driver, coming back into a high level of FIA competition, along with Jules Gounon, who is their reserve driver. Maybe that was the bigger surprise, but Jules, um, being given the OK from AMG Mercedes, he's still very much an AMG Mercedes driver, but given the OK to be alongside this. I looked at these guys, and I've got to tell you, John, there was a quiet confidence um, they were having a lot of fun. Alpine is an emotional brand and I liked what I saw in terms of the camaraderie and the way they went about things. They look like they're ready to go racing and... In sports car racing, those relationships sometimes are just as important as everything else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think their ex- past experience with, in the LMP1, when the hypercar class with an LMP1 grandfathered car, mm. wasn't very indicative of what they could actually do. Um, they were limited in a lot of different ways and, and still came, still achieved some success along. Oh, what through. a race. What a race at Sebring. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I, I think. This time around, it, it, they're much more prepared. They're you able to use some resources from F1 due to the cost cap over there mm-hmm. and and really be able to t- attack this in a, in a very serious manner. And um, I actually saw the car for the first time yesterday in person, and I have to say it's a really stunning piece of machinery.
0: It is very, very pretty, and it is, v- but it's pretty in a... In what looks to be an effective way, um, aggressive to a point, but you look at it and go, that's purposeful. And the design feature on the back with the rear lights looking like the Alpine air is it's a nice little bit of fun. And that reflects, I think, the way that they're thinking about it. We don't know whether it will be quick, but if looks or anything to go by... Um, It should be there or thereabouts. There's a lot riding on on this. Uh, A French team going to the Le Mans 24 hours, a full French manufacturer going to Le Mans 24 hours, um, and we'll talk about Peugeot in a moment or two, but they understand the enormity of that with, as they say, rouge blanc bleu, uh, with the the red, white and blue. Um, That's a lot of pressure for them on, on this returning year. Absolutely, and also
1: you have to think about it as this is the first LMDH car that's actually going to be racing in the WEC exclusively at the the start. Good point. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops over the course of the year and the whole question about BOP, and I know we don't want to talk about that too much, or maybe drivers and team principals aren't allowed to be talking about that again in, in the WVC, but um, certainly from a, a, a balance, a performance standpoint between the two platforms, between LMH and LMDH, I think with uh, with BMW joining and alpine now with an LMDH, um, there might be a little more political sway in in terms of the getting things more on an equal ground compared to what we had last year
0: yeah and and they've also established uh, some new positions uh, within alpine in terms of performance direction david abrivio who who came from moto gp and suzuki when they terminated their program went to alpine and, and I, I don't really know, and I think probably he didn't really know what he was doing there. He's now moved away and gone back to MotoGP with Trackhouse, hasn't he? Um, that's a great hire for those guys. So there's been a little bit of a swap and a change about uh, there as well, but it looked serious to me, and as I say, alongside the F1 car on stage, that tells you that you know they're making a big shout about this uh, alongside their road cars. As well. Uh, let's move on to Ferrari, whose road cars and race cars are inextricably linked as well, in fairness. Three Ferraris. Now, it's all they're all run by AF Corsa. Um, one of them, they, let's call it the Coupitzer all car, because that's why it's there. Let's be honest, that's where the finances come from. Uh, but effectively, these are three cars that are run from alongside the factory. AF Corsa running them. I think this tells you as much about... The complexity of these cars um, in the pure LMH category, the hypercar category of the rule set, as anything else, because um, it's only Porsche who have let cars out to true private air teams, and they're LMDHs. Ferrari have got a lot riding on this. They're defending Le Mans champions uh, from last year. They made a big fuss about this. This third car in the reverse color scheme is yellow and red rather than red and yellow. this is a big year for Ferrari because they've got a build on what they did last year.
1: Yeah, and I think having a third car makes a lot of sense. It, it Sure, it's a bit controversial over how they went about doing it because I don't think you could really call this a customer car, even though it, it technically has to be per the regulations. Um, but they do have one... A, of course, a contracted driver, and Robert Kubica in, in the lineup, and then Robert Schwartzman and Yiffy Yee are both um, Ferrari contracted drivers, mm-hmm. so interesting to see how that dynamic is. Um, certainly, the, the lineups in, in the 50 and 51 car that are unchanged from last year, I think that's a real smart move to to keep what they had. Um, obviously, the 51 one, Le Mans. Um, Antonio Fuoco was one of the standout drivers of the year um, by far in, in the number 50 machines, so um, Second year with this 499P package, Um, like you said, it's a complex car to run. Ferrari said on occasion that that's the reason why they're not handing it out to customers like Porsche is with their LMDH. So um, let's see if that ever happens. But for the the meantime, having another car in the field is certainly going to help their chances, even if it is a quote-unquote customer car.
0: Uh, they're still gaining the same amount of data from that car, which will be, I mean, there is no difference, by the way, we should mention, no difference in the specification of the BOP between cars that are running for the World Championship or running for the Cup, as it, it, as it stands for that. Uh, one slight change for the 51 car, the uh, lead engineer has changed.
1: Yes, um Justin, Justin Taylor. Taylor yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Justin Taylor has um, gone on uh, to work elsewhere, and he's moved on to the WeatherTech Championship. Mm-hmm. Actually, so um, there's going to be some changes in in the pit box at at uh,
0: Ferrari of Corsa. I hope we get the still get the entertainment of the uh, team radio particularly between James Collado and uh, just in last year was uh, uh, highly entertaining. Um, let's move on to then the uh, Lamborghini SC 63, first time I've seen that car I was here at Qatar uh, earlier in the week, it, it, it wasn't all assembled but I got a good idea of, of what it was looking like Merco Bortolotti, Eduardo Motara and Danny Kvyat the three drivers here. So you'll notice by where an awful lot of GT drivers driving the, particularly the LMDh versions of of hypercars. They have been described as handling very much and, and the driving style required very much like the the old GTE cars. And I think it's great to see people coming up from the GT ranks uh, in the past. This is another singleton entry, John. So, again, they've got their work cut out in terms of how quickly they can learn and how much data they're going to acquire.
1: Yeah, this car is going to be making its competition debut next weekend. So, there's a lot riding on the Lamborghini program. Um, Iron Lynx is running it in. in basically with prema as as well with the mechanics and crew that that had the experience in LMP2 from last year so there's a lot of combinations from different organizations that have come up, aboard this this is a Ligier um, chassis um LMDH car the first one out of that French organization so there's a lot of questions and and but I think some early signs that point towards some potential for this program. Um, We saw the car at the December um, IMSA homologation test at Daytona, and it unofficially set the fastest lap um, during that um, um, three-day test for for prototypes. And um, I I was pretty impressed by its pace. And it's since gone on to do a test at Sebring uh, a few weeks ago, and and now uh, with a different chassis here, um, making its race debut. Um, I, I think just speaking to the drivers, speaking to Lamborghini motorsport boss Giorgio Osana, I think they're really trying to get some realistic expectations for for this first season. Um, obviously a single-car program. They're going to have two cars at Le Mans, um, one car in the Michelin Endurance Cup races, the, the remaining four rounds in the U.S., so um, lots, of different pro, lots of different dynamics there with, at play with this program. But I think um, it's definitely going to be a learning year for, for Lamborghini Iron Lynx.
0: So they're, what they're setting out as their objectives might be, let's just keep the car running and get miles, get kilometers under the wheels. Absolutely.
1: I think for the first few races, especially um, as we build up to the 24 hours of Le Mans, I think maybe the objectives could change a little bit by then. But um, for, for the first few races of the season,
0: certainly reliability and getting to the end will be a key goal. We finish our look at the uh, hypercar uh, ranks with Peugeot. Um, with their 9x8, uh, which starts the year as it finished in Bahrain, i.e., without the uh, rear wing concept, so it's the under all the the aerodynamics coming and downforce coming from the underfloor. We understand that uh, this weekend coming could be the last time that we see this car. They've been working on a car with some kind of vestige of a rear wing. More importantly, is the change of the sizes of the tyres, um, which that was their whole concept that, that, that uh, they've been, it would appear, uh, forced to, uh, to abandon. Uh, I'm led to believe that there's quite a big change in the balance of the car, the waste distribution of the car from that. And that is something that they're going to have to work on throughout the season when the new car because it is when rather than if I'm sure uh, that that car comes but for, for this weekend it still looks like the scale extra car that somebody's flipped off into uh, into the table leg and broken off the rear wing and I still I, I think it's an extraordinary concept but it still makes me every time I see it on the TV look up to think oh has I had an accident um, <laughs> and I don't mean that the bad way uh, there's consistency within the drivers with Mikkel Jensen Nico Muller John Eric Vernon, and Paul de Resta Loic Deval and Stoffel van on it wasn't the year that Peugeot wanted. It wasn't the year that the Peugeot management wanted last year. And they're building back towards Le Mans. They've got another French team in the championship. Now, they don't. They didn't like being where they were last year. They certainly don't want to be the second best of the two French teams.
1: Yeah, I think the pressure is on for them this year, especially with the, the updated car coming. Um, we'll have to wait and see if it's going to debut at Imola or Spa. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, I think they'd want to do it pre-Le Mans. That's, yeah. that's for sure, to get, yeah. to get the updates out of the way and see reliability and see how it performs. Um, ironically, actually, if they stick with the wingless concept at the Le Mans, they might have might actually have something more of a competitive advantage there.
0: Once the change, that's it. They can't go back, can they? Because somebody was asking me this the other day, and it's my understanding if if they go to the quote-unquote Evo car they can't go back to the and and you're right that was a concept that was mostly built for Le Mans almost like the old um, Nissan of course had a very similar uh, concept Uh, and I I suppose Le Mans in in pace was probably their best showing last year
1: yeah I think so they had a good showing at at Manza too I think exactly Mm. so but yeah you're correct you cannot go back to an, a previous version of the of the car once you've made mm. Evo Joker updates. And, mm. and we don't know exactly what they, how many Jokers they've, they've been allocated for these updates, but um, we'll have to wait and see on how that develops.
0: But they are under pressure this year. There was talk of of the board and uh, Carlos Tarveres, uh, the racer himself in the Nürburgring, of course, along with some of his very um, high... Uh, positioned um, colleagues uh, have been looking at this program very, very closely indeed, they need something out of this year and they need it. I would suggest they need it coming up to and including Lamont
1: yeah I think Lamar will be the big pressure point for for this program and um, it's great to see that they're taking this seriously you know they even through the struggles through last year um they've had a huge amount of of, of high-level motorsport and executive staff on site at these races so um it's definitely
0: a, a a key part of the the program overall now i'm not going to ask you to to pick a winner out of all of this because it's impossible I, I think round to round again um will see different cars being at the front of the field i don't think you can count toyota out just because of of all of the experience they've got but we have potentially uh, this season got the added excitement and uh, <laughs> the added complexity of having taste stage bop this is the up to 200k and over 200k bop concept that's been asked for i believe by bmw and the idea was to have tested it at the the prologue whether that's going to happen with the delay of the prologue I'm not sure now but um, this is this is more complexity that I'm not sure it's the answer to a question that anyone has asked Uh, well actually other than BMW
1: yeah we'll have to wait and see how it all develops right now we only have the BOP issued for the prologue and the race Um, it's basically been issued until further notice so it's a little bit different system of what we had in last year um, when we had the BOP declared for the first three races up to and including Loma um, we don't have that yet so I I think there might be a little bit of wait and see and and how it'll all develop from the ACO
0: and FIA and from what we've seen it's the usual uh the usual tools that are being used by terry bevere and the technical team so we're talking about weights we're talking about um fuel numbers or energy numbers as we we talk about it now um there's a couple of cars lost weight a couple of cars uh, gained weight um we we just don't know at the, at the current time john
1: yeah we'll have to wait and see until the cars hit the, hit the track
0: in in full earnest Let's hope we can put all that to one side because what I see here is a great deal to be excited about.
1: Yeah, I, I think this is going. You know, just like we thought last year was maybe the start of the golden era, I think this is definitely the continuation of that, and, and just so much excitement building with the new manufacturers coming in, returning teams, the new face of LM GT3.
0: Um, there's a lot to look forward to in, in this this coming season in the in the WEC. That's John De Geese from Sportscar365. You get all of the details on the FIAWEC and indeed all of sports cars uh, via that web- website. And, of course, on RS1, we'll be bringing you extended free global coverage. Still the only free-to-air global coverage of the FIA World Endurance Championship throughout the season with uh, our usual extra coverage from Le Monteste and the test. It's a potential of a great season to come. You won't want to miss a moment of it here on the Radio Show Limited network of audio and visual channels. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at Radio LeMond.com.